Hello, and welcome to Take Your Data Points and the Goals Will Come, Season 2. I'm Cole, and with me is Brian. Back again. How are things af- after hibernating for the off-season? Things are, things are good. I think this year is going to be an exciting year. We've listened to a lot of the feedback from our, our fans or fan. I, I counted about three fans, I think, in the off-season. Yeah, I, I, I've talked to people who've listened to an episode which I'm not sure if that qualifies. This week alone, after I posted a new article on the site for the first time in months, we got two new Twitter followers, including Paul McGrath. Not not the Paul McGrath, but we did get a Paul McGrath. And and none of them were sex bots? Doesn't look like it. Unless they're Paul McGrath-themed ones around these days. I don't know. It's been an interesting year, you know, this off-season. We're, we're coming back. We're, we're learning from all the changes, you know hashtag hurling there's going to be you know there's going to be a change in direction on this podcast it's going to be sexier more exciting i think basically just do a, a whole xfl spin on it yeah definitely i'm going to rename myself he hate me some obscure references already we're going to up the obscure references really make it like a proper podcast you know lots of obscure references add in ads for uh squarespace and audible and caster mattresses all those things that make a podcast a podcast yeah it's not a podcast unless you have ads and revenue we'll have t-shirts t-shirts are coming get a rich yeah all, all those like hot references to the last season like the misspelled warwickshire t-shirt idea yeah. and the uh make awfully great again yeah well you can you can show those off to your friends and they'll be like what is that i like take your data points in comic sans on a t-shirt we're providing that as well that's that's all going to be on the show ideally rainbow colored font like just yeah the whole way across some bad 3d effects as well would be good yeah there's only so much we can do in word yeah that's 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 enough of the that's the enough of the banter Banter out of the, with this with this high level banter out of the way, we can we can get on with the real meat we've, of the we've, podcast. We've hit our quota for for you know po- mild podcast banter. We'll get into the meat of this episode. So the plan is, you know, it's still a few weeks off the start of the National Hurling League. So we're just going to do a couple of episodes to get back into the groove for the GA season. You know, this one we're hoping to uh, take a look at what happened over the off season, and next week's episode we're going to try and get into. Our predictions for the season coming up. That episode in itself will basically be two episodes in one because I'm sure down the road we can look back and laugh at how wrong we were. This one now, it's just, I suppose, for those who like us were hibernating in the last few months, here's what happened in the GA world. We're going to go through, you know, manager changes, player changes, different awards that happened, and those little minor championships that happened that no one really cares about. You know, see, see what's going on there. But we're going to tell you anyway, even if you don't want to hear about it. No one else is going to tell you. Yeah. I don't think some of the players know even like what's happened so far in those competitions. <laughs> okay, will we get into it? Let's go. First up, manager changes over the offseason. So starting off with Cork. Kieran Kingston has announced that he has stepped down and he's going to be replaced by John Myler. And uh, I suppose this is a good place to start because I think this was the most surprising manager to step down in the offseason. I thought you know Cork had a phenomenal year last year, made huge improvements. Definitely a big shock that he step down after all that yeah and it, and it's a case of you know i suppose look we kind of commented on it earlier in the year when it was announced i suppose with the success that he achieved in the year it is a it is a real surprise but i suppose he had his own personal reasons in terms of he's he owns his own bit he owns his own business i suppose that takes a lot, up a lot of his time and then i suppose in with the addition of managerial duties for cork i suppose it was too much for him to take on take on and i suppose really for those of us who don't know, which would include myself, um, John Myler, what would his background be? He was a selector under Kieran Kingston, and he was managing the Cork under-21s. So 
I suppose that's he is probably the best. You know, I hadn't really heard of him before, but he does seem to be the best person for the job just because you want to maintain that continuity and maintain what Kieran Kingston started off. Yeah. So someone who, like, knows a lot of the players, knows a lot of the young players who started last year and, you know, was working as a selector, it should hopefully help with that. It remains to be seen if he can continue the work that Kieran Kingston started, but he certainly, he's been left with a good template and he's been in a position so that he knows how the template should be run and everything, so. And do you think the danger here is, you know... Okay, he comes in, fills in Karen Kingston's boots, and it's another year or two of just trying to find themselves and trying to repeat what they had already, or do you think he'll just be able to take it up and Cork will continue to rise on a, a kind of a steady path like they did last like they did last year? My hunch is that he will be able to do a good job. Looking back over my notes as well, also in terms of experience, he won a Christie ring with uh, Kerry in 2011. You know, managed other teams that have improved in recent years like Carlo. Mm. So, you know, he, he has done well at lower level, at lower tiers. He has decent management experience. So I, I think he'll do a good job. The only thing is, like, if you're talking about will Cork improve, you know, to improve from where they got last year, they would have to reach an all Ireland final and be thinking about actually challenging to win outright. And I just don't know if they'll be able to do that, because I think teams will be a lot more prepared for them this year. Last year, they really came out of nowhere. <laughs> what would have been best if they had been like the Cork team in 99 that just came from nowhere and won it in the first year of being good? Whereas now, I think maybe they might have a few more years of lull, of lull while they try and um, exceed their expectation again. Yeah. Because I, th- I, I don't think it'll be their fault so much. I just think other teams will be that bit more riled up to play against them and it's going to be tougher for them to get the same results than it was last year okay so next manager change dublin this was probably the least surprising manager to step down which was jerk cunningham whatever really happened behind the scenes we don't know but definitely generated the most rumors about player dissatisfaction you had a lot of players leaving the panel dublin just had a very bad year last year i think their only championship win was against leach which doesn't that say a lot really they got relegated from 1a yeah it it was a bad year all around i I think it was was clear that he was on the way out what is interesting though is his replacement in pat gilroy who does not have any real hurling experience except maybe at like you know small like dublin club level but he has one an all ireland you know as as manager for the dublin football team mm. and is definitely generated a lot of hype you get a big name combined with being involved with dublin ga you know there's already even though we were only into walsh cup and you know all those kind of preseason competitions there's already been every single match he's involved in you know they had a friendly against tip the other day and there was all these things like gilroy's you know fails to live up to beating (laughs) you know you're you're seeing a huge amount there's a lot of pressure on him already but i think it's a really interesting decision i think you know there is the question about like will the football skills transfer enough to hurling or you know will he just fall a bit flat you know there's a big difference really between how much is put behind the dublin footballers versus the hurlers but of course he put a lot of that in place himself when he was there. So a lot of questions will definitely be an interesting one to watch. I think if he can just get a good team of, you know, people with hurling backgrounds to handle the skill side of things, and he just takes on the overall training structures and organization and, and conditioning. You know, psych- psychology side of things, mm. could be interesting to see if Dublin have a big rebound this And year. that seems to be more, I suppose, the natural appeal. Like, I find it quite a small bit confusing and, and, and probably more intriguing than anything else, but I, I suppose that's really what he's there for is probably be maybe the conditioning and more even more so than even that and, and and the training i would say it's it's probably that i suppose dublin ga being a bit of a political animal 
that he's more there from yeah. a political point of view rather than actually more than a management side. And either it's going to go ex- tremendously well or it is going to crash and burn. Yeah. I think the high expectations could be damaging just with him coming on. People are expecting maybe a lot more than they might get. But, you know, we, we say it's intriguing for us. It, like the fact that a few Dublin players have already come back to the panel, declared that they're going to be playing Hurling this year. Mm. I mean, that's already a positive result, really, that he's kind of given this bit of hope to them again. But I, I think the expectations could be another thing. And I think also I would be suspicious that he's actually a mole from the Dublin footballers <laughs> to just take down the hurling once and for all. You know what? You know, the football's too good. They can't risk having players even think of going back to the hurling. Just just kill it kill it off while it's weak now after last yeah, year. Yeah, better siphon off whatever funding you can get. <laughs> if, if nothing else, it'll probably be useful to have someone who's familiar with the Dublin GA politics anyway. Yeah. Maybe just having someone with a bit of clout so that they, you know, can actually use the regular training pitch and not have to use it after the footballers are done with yeah. it. Yeah. So next up, a fan favourite... I think we can all agree, awfully. Awfully, yeah. They have provided us with so much to talk about uh, in last season's podcast. Mostly negative, but one of those kind of nice moments of sympathy we got was from feeling sorry for this man, Kevin Ryan, who also stepped down. And, you know, as far as his management skills, I don't think he was an amazing manager, but I think he was competent. But my God, he was just dealing with a combination of a bad team and the worst politics of... Of any Eddie county, county it yeah. felt like it felt like every single structure in Offaly GA last year was falling apart. Like they had to bring in Brian Cowan as mediator. Yeah. You're not in a good position in any walk of life if you have to bring in Brian Cowan as mediator. Well, the hurling improvement committee, when your hurling Com- improvement committee resigns en masse, and they have to get Brian Cowan to intervene on your behalf in order to get the county board and the committee back on talking terms, you are really in trouble. And really, it's emblematic of the whole situation in Offaly. His replacement, Kevin Martin, what I can say is both of them are called Kevin. Indeed they are. Do you think this will have a positive effect for continuity, that they're still named Kevin? The players will come in, they'll say, how are you, Kev? You know, there's no disruption there. Uh, do you think that'll help? I would have said that, like, I mean, it's handy. I suppose, like, I don't know what his personal preferences are, if it's Kev, Kevin. I don't know, he he might have a nickname that they may, may that he may be preferred to be called by. Given Kevin Ryan, given Kevin Ryan's leaving, maybe the players had other names for him. But you know, that's that's not for us to speculate. But what I would say is, both men are named Kevin. Will they continue in the same path? Will just these Kevins lead continue to lead awfully down the wrong path? Well, for the sake of the podcast, we can only hope that they continue to blunder around the place so that we can make fun of them repeatedly, just to continue making up for 1998. And can I say, that level of expert analysis is why we deserve sponsors and t-shirts. That's that's all I'm saying. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. It could but, be um, you, Advertiser X. You know, that would be a great spot to fit in an ad, I'm just saying, if they did buy the ad space, just <laughs> sneaking in there. What, what a segue that would have been. You know, as we said, they're both named Kevin because I felt that would be all we knew. I did do my research on this guy, and actually, his credentials are uh, very good. Won two All Irelands as a player in the nineties for Offaly mm-hmm. as player manager. He won the Offaly Club Championship. Manager, he won the Christie Ring Cup. Although that was with West- Westmeath, and the year after they got demoted in the league, um, yeah. and he had a big falling out with the players. So, you know, it's 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 not perfect. And <laughs> I mean, if if he gets that frustrated over players not putting in the effort, he might get very frustrated with all the uh, aforementioned awfully GA politics, but 
you know, he's been around awfully long enough. I'm sure he's well used to it. And, you know, the fact that he is kind of, you know, he has won the All-Irelands for them and everything, he might just get that bit more respect than the average one. You know, I, I think he has a good a chance of, as anyone, really, of doing a good job. His credentials are good, but uh, it just remains to be seen. If I think really the problem for Offaly is just the lack of continuity. They haven't been able to hold on to a manager for more than a year at a time for quite a while now. And I think they just need some consistency if they're going to ever get out of the valley that they've been in for a while now. I, I'm going to call it now. Offaly are going to eat him alive, and uh, this year is going to be a disaster. T- take note, take note, podcast listeners. This is where I, this is where I said it on the 11th of January 2018. Offaly not going to be their year again. That reminds me, I need to start a new list for this season of things that you say that then we can like bring up when it goes wrong. <laughs> okay, so that's uh, those are the major management changes that we noticed over the offseason. I will say as well, the, the reporting in the offseason, and especially for counties that aren't as big as Dublin, it's very ad hoc. It's re- I really have to keep an eye out at all times in case any news actually happened, because <laughs> often it's just like someone several scrolls down on Twitter will have mentioned it. So that's the management changes. Now we will get into some of the player changes, some of the notable retirements that happened this offseason. We'll start with our own county and probably the most affected just by in terms of sheer numbers, uh, Claire. Four of the big players from 2013 all announced retirement now. We have Brendan Bugler, who's probably still, out of the ones that I'm listing, the still kind of the most, the one getting the most playtime in the last year, still the most relevant, but he's been there a good while. It's I guess it wasn't a total shock um, for him to go. Disappointed to see him go, but I suppose, look, it's, yeah. it was more than inevitable. I suppose he was getting on in years, and that's just... This is the way it goes. Out to the back of the shed. Next one up as well, we have Patrick Donnellan, who is the captain of the 2013 team that won the All-Ireland. So definitely, you know, and a player that maybe in recent years hadn't been having as much of an impact, but certainly another one who will be missed. We also have Colin Ryan, who had been on a year out in 2017. We didn't see any of him last year, and this year he just made it official that he was retiring. So not a huge surprise, really. Not a massive one. And then also uh, Dara Honan who scored Claire's last score in the 2013 I remember final. it well. But I suppose as well, like, he's been dogged by injury. He's been dogged by injury. He hasn't played, like, a full match, I'd say, in, in a year, two years. Uh, and uh, and yeah. it was kind of more inevitable than, than anything, really, I think, on that. Things like that. Like, that can be enough to make, you know, sports professionals just give up out of frustration when you're an amateur, just trying to put all that effort into just getting back to maybe playing a match here or there. You can see it not being worthwhile. Mm. So then as well as that, not total retirements, but a few players will be just missing for all or good portions of the season. And Aaron Shanahan missed the season with a cruciate injury. Aaron Cunningham and Keen Dillon are off traveling. Not players, but just another significant thing was Donald Cusack is gone as coach, which... And really, there was also the entire controversy surrounding, um, let's say, outside of sports matters as well which um, definitely, I think, forced his hand, really, in terms of in terms of leaving. So I think, look, it is what it is. There was some, there was some very strange circumstances for him leaving, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I suppose, what more can you say, really? Probably a lot, but I don't want to. I think, you know... Google it, you guys. Google it. Yeah, it was just a whole, it was a whole thing. But I think even aside from that, I think if that hadn't happened, I feel like maybe the timing would have been right as well. And just, I feel like this year... With a lot of players gone, there's just going to be a lot of room for experimentation. And I think really after having their first year getting used to things, this is time for the current Clare managers to just really put their mark on things and start paying dividends, you know, figure, figure out the team and 
get things going again. Mm. So, I don't know. I think maybe they need the space to do that without another very strong personality in Do- Donald Cusack. Next up, Tipperary. Yeah, speaking of controversial figures, oh, wow, uh, yeah. Darren Gleeson has announced his retirement. Ignoring the personal stuff, you know, he was an excellent keeper. He was on two All-Ireland winning teams. Probably would have been more if it wasn't for the fact that Brendan Cummins was his predecessor mm. there uh, in Tip. You know, and certainly an excellent player, but... Uh, not ignoring the personal stuff. Let's hope that he doesn't make his retirement just to return to a life of crime. I, I think they really, you know, he, he was an older player and it would be likely he'd have retired anyway, but I feel like... This definitely expedited it, yeah. Yeah. Fairly scandalous stuff, really. It's kind of one of those things of, well, if he wasn't going to go this year, that certainly made his mind up. And then also for tip, uh, John O'Keefe has retired as well. His name was John. Limerick. Limerick, James Ryan, who was man of the match in the 2013 Munster final. One of their stronger veterans, and, you know, he, he was an older player now, and you can see why he's going, but I wonder if this will hurt Limerick a bit, because if there's... They have tons of young players with talent, like they've, you know, won multiple under-21s and everything now. I wonder if it will hurt them a bit not having any veteran players left, or not having many left on the team. Because I think if there's one thing they've been lacking, it really is a bit of a... Just kind of some kind of guiding yeah. when matches get tougher, and I, I think maybe just a sense of identity. and You know, I, I think he'll definitely be missed, maybe not even so much for his playing, though, you know, that will be missed too, but definitely I think just to be a bit of a maybe a mentor to some of the younger players. He'll be missed. Next up, Galway. Cyril Donnellan, uh, nominated for an All-Star in 2012. Didn't get it, but, you know, long-time solid player. At 32 years old, like, you know, a lot of hurlers, they would retire kind of late 20s, a good bit earlier earlier than that from Intercounty, just the amount of time you have to give up for it. I'd say he was happy he held on just for, the, just for one more year in 2017, given how Galway performed. So Very well-timed. Nice retirement. Ni- nice retirement, uh, for him. Good time to bow out. And finally, we have, for Kilkenny, Michael Fenley. This is definitely one of the bigger names to retire this year. Three-time All-Star, 2011 Hurler of the Year. He was, you know, passed his best by the end. He, you know, he wasn't playing as many, you know, full matches and things like that. And you could say that for most of the Kilkenny panel, to be fair. Yeah, but yeah, he, he's definitely one that even, even passed his best. I think most of the other counties will be happy to see him gone. You know, don't need him sticking around there giving young players notions of winning four in a row again or anything you know just go and enjoy your retirement michael don't don't go you know help any younger generations in kilkenny take up fishing or architecture or anything anything but her yeah right that's all the ones we spotted anyway in terms of retirements maybe there are others twitter didn't tell me if you want to tell us our twitter is at ty data points as always and the mail is mail at takeyourdatapoints.com Send us your abuse and also I, I good feel, wishes. I feel like a better way to get the letters in is to make mistakes and then people will correct mm. us uh, rather than you know ask for feedback directly. And also, let me make it clear, in order for people to get a shout out on this sh- podcast, they also have to actually send a mail. I've had some feedback in person that <laughs> they, people were not getting shout outs on the podcast and that is not how it works. You have to send us mail and then we will shout out to you. Just need to clear that up because uh, I'll be honest, like, you know, that's how the podcast works. So now you know. You've got to actually go to the effort of sending an email. They're free now. Yeah. 
That's you told. Person who will remain nameless until you send an email. Yeah, that's you told. So uh, I think now we may as well get into the other competitions that were going on during the off-season. Because, you know, while we say it's the off-season, really it's just the off-season for, I guess, high-quality inter-county hurling. But you still have all these other things going on. Current state of the club championship. Four teams left. We're getting into the semi-finals soon. So from Munster, we have Napiersig from Limerick. They won the All-Ireland two years ago in 2016, and then I think didn't even make it out of Limerick the year after, so mm. they're definitely looking for redemption. And I think they're scheduled to play their semi-final against Slock Neal, coming out of Ulster from Derry. I think we mentioned them a lot last year, because they were one of the big news stories last year. They won, like, Ulster Championships in football, hurling, and camogie. In the it was a massive year, story, yeah. Despite being, yeah from the middle of nowhere basically definitely a great story and definitely shows like how much progress you can make just putting more time into the hurling you know as as the leash manager said last year maybe if we just train for more than a couple of months a year, yeah a couple of days maybe that's the key more if we train more than two days a week you know we might get further stock have shown just what's possible now definitely underdogs especially against napiersig in the semi-final but you know to make it this far and to make it this far two years running fair play to them all around they're definitely like the nice plucky underdog story of of the championship yeah for the opposite of that for like the 80s villains you know 80s sports movies villains with all the money and you know bad guys you have uh kula the leinster champions Boo. coming out of south dublin sponsored by a stockbroker yeah like i mean come on they, they are the yeah and of course knocking out the you know plucky little village from near where we are from in last year's final yeah so yeah we won't name names but you can google that too definitely the definitely the villains from our perspective yeah. last year maybe you could give them something because the dublin team had never won and it's fine once but i don't want dublin getting notions I, so uh, look i think it's kind of fair to say that they have no redeemable qualities whatsoever none I mean, yeah, that's fair. I don't think anyone could have any uh, issues with that, that they could then send to mail at takeyourdatapoints.com or at Twitter at tydatapoints. I certainly don't think anyone could if take issue with anything we're if saying. If cooler people could work Twitter and emails. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Come at, come at me, Kula. Come at me. Yet again, they're taking on a team from, you know, near where I used to live. They're taking on Liam Mellows from Galway City. First Galway City team to win the Galway Championship in a long hmm. time. Um, but they've never won All Ireland. They're not as much underdogs as say Slocknail, but they're definitely a dark horse. I'd say out of the remaining three, Cool and Apiersig, and them, you know, they would be the least likely. But you know, bigger shocks have happened, and let's hope they can stick it to those South Dublin stockbrokers. I I I like the name Neil Mellows. It's not. It's very just. You know, you have others that sound, you know, so aggressive because most of them are just like rooted in clubs that were I or B fronts in the <laughs> early 20th century. Um, and in fairly, you know, like names like Fianna and just, you know, Bally, Bog, Brit Killers, <laughs> things like that. But uh, so, you know, just I mean, I'll probably look it up and find out Liam Mellows was this like, you know, I don't know who Liam Mellows was. I'm sure if I look it up, it'll turn out to be some freedom fighter that killed lots and lots of English people or something. I'm going to look it up now, actually. We're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Irish Republican and Sinn Féin politician. Oh, yeah, never mind. OK. But uh, his father was in the British Army. So, you know, you've got the conflict there. It's an interesting mm, character. Mm. It's, it's still a more interesting name. Mm. Yeah, it totally goes back to the IRB. Why are like every single club name, I think, is in some way linked. Is, is this their thing of um, twenty eighteen to uh, to start uh, raising awareness of club names? 
like we did with the Confederate flag for Cork, we're going to do this this year. Is this? I think it, I think it could be. I mean, I'm not saying you need to be like you know ashamed of heritage, and uh, you know we don't necessarily need to put down you know people who vote for independence and so on. But it's just like you kind of want to tone down the republicanism. There's too much ex- extremist views as it is in politics at the moment. Yeah. I don't think we need people. You know, no setting gunning literally no, or figuratively for more Republicans. No sense. setting up clubs like Bobby Sands United or exactly, you know, yeah, wouldn't work. Though actually, I just read today that apparently uh, Iran just named renamed the street that the British embassy is on to Bobby Sands Road. <laughs> <laughs> now that's that's someone being like there for you. Now you've been told. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. What troll what trolls. Uh, <laughs> like really what trolls, but yeah. yeah. We've we've gotten very sidetracked at this point. So I think we should get get back on track and talk about the railway cup. Yay. Uh, see what I did there. Although we can't really because it wasn't on this year and it wasn't on last year and it looks like they're just going to give up on it because Connacht AK like Galway and maybe one Ross, token Roscommon player have just said like not push. Shut your mouth. Not on this year. So, like, what what do they do at this time of the year in Connacht? Prepare for football, mostly. Except for the people in, in Galway. And specifically in Liam Mellows, who I guess are still waiting on the semi-final. I, 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 no, I, I guess a lot of people in Galway are probably still partying over the All-Ireland win, which wouldn't blame them either. Not a bad thing. Not um, a bad thing. Um, so I suppose, yeah, it, it would be a bit of pressure to try and interfere with that partying. Galway, you know, well-known for its... It's good parties. You, you can't interfere with that and have like this interprovincial championship on in between. They'd still probably win. I feel, well, I mean, like they have more team unity because it's all the players coming from the one county. <laughs> so yeah, Railway Cup not on this year. It's existed for about 90 years, so it's a bit of a shame if this is coming to, to an end. But at the same time, I do feel like the writing's been on the wall. Like I hadn't heard of this until maybe a few years back that it even existed as a thing. Mm. It's on at an awkward time of year. Like it's on when it is on in usually in December. Years ago, maybe they got tens of thousands in attendance, but it hasn't been that way in a long time. I know, I, I think, you know, from a fan's perspective, I think the interest isn't there. And from a player's perspective, a huge number of players, they already have to play for their club, they have to play for their county, they have to play for their under-21s county, they have to play for their college team. You know, adding province on top of all of that, um, just for like this little exhibition yeah. thing, you know, one or two matches. And especially when nearly every year, it is just going to be Munster versus Leinster. Uh, in the final. Yeah. I think it's a lovely idea and maybe someday it'll come back in a bit more reinvigorated, but it's definitely at, at minimum they have to go away for a bit and just kind of rethink what to do for it. Um, I do think it's an interesting idea on paper, but I've never gone to it. I don't know anyone who has. Do you have to take the train there? Maybe that's why. Maybe it's really expensive uh, taking the train for the Railway Cup. Maybe that's the hook of it. You have to take the train. Yeah. They don't, they don't have that kind of money anymore. That's why they don't sponsor it anymore. Right. Next one up. Munster Hurling League. So another one that's ongoing. Featuring some of Munster. <laughs> some of Munster. Arguably the two best teams in Munster, Waterford and Tip, haven't bothered with it this year. They're just kind of having friendlies or whatever to get rid of their Christmas bellies. You still have Clare, Limerick, Kerry and Cork in this. It does seem a bit redundant as a championship, especially now the new All-Ireland format is going to have a league structure with the Munster teams in it. But I suppose that doesn't have Kerry. Mm. So, you know, it does have Tipperary and Waterford, but it doesn't have Kerry. And is it really Munster hurling without them? Arguably, no. <laughs> this is going on. Like the Railway Cup, I'm not sure if it will continue to going on, but I guess it's it's good just training for pre-league. Yeah. 
get the team going, try out a few things. Another reason why I'm more positive on this championship than usual is just the fact that Claire are actually in the final of it now. Claire and Limerick both beat Kerry, which was unsurprising, but they also <laughs> both beat Cork, which was a bit more uh, shocking. And Claire's win over Cork in particular actually was a surprisingly huge margin. So, uh, you know, I'll get behind that as long as Claire wins. Four goals and a point, if I'm remembering correctly. Not too shabby at all. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. You know, we're wondering if they will find the replacements for a lot of players who have left. I mean, if if that holds up beyond these, like, January pre-season games, definitely some things to be hopeful about this year. Hmm. Next up, Welsh Cup. So basically the Leinster equivalent, just, you know, the real battle isn't between the teams, it's between the players and their own bodies post-Christmas. This one has a lot more of teams. It's it's one of the few championships where, where you'll get the top-tier Leinster teams versus, you know, the ones who are kind of used to playing down in second or third tier. But as such, there's been absolutely no surprise, like, mm. upset wins in this so far. Uh, the semi-finals are going to be between Offaly and Kilkenny and between Dublin and Wexford. Kilkenny are the only team to play another Division One side so far, and that was only Leash. And, like, Offaly got through. They were in, in a group. There were, like, four groups... Uh, they didn't have enough to make three teams in each group, so Offaly just played Westmeath twice, <laughs> and uh, their their aggregate score, like winning margin across those two games, was five points. Which um, Offaly, that's not enough. It's only Westmeath. Like Westmeath, a lot better than they used to be, but across two games, you should have more than five points difference. Yeah, says it all. Offaly versus Schoolkenny. Be surprised if Schoolkenny didn't win that. But the other semi final. Dublin versus Wexford. I think that could be interesting. Yeah. That could be a decent, uh, you know, in, in terms of preseason games, I know maybe people will be a bit sluggish or whatever, but I think that could be good. Dublin, Dublin potentially on the rise with Pat Gilroy. Wexford with a second year on Davy. Curious to see the result of that. So now we're going to get into, even though it's like the least relevant because it's totally different rules, this is definitely the thing, of, of all the news we've talked about, this is the thing that I heard the most people talk about in the off season. I think it's one of the few things that actually got people talking and got people interested, and this is the Fenway Classic. So this is a modified version of hurling. It's 11 aside. There is nothing but goals and Claire the champions of it. Amazing. And it was played in Boston. Like, this, it really does seem like something that you dreamed and somehow it came to life. Just like Claire winning through nothing but goals. It does just seem like you dream, You had a wonderful dream and then you woke up and it actually happened. I'm not saying I wasn't behind the Fenway Classic, but, <laughs> y- you know, like it's definitely geared towards the likes of me who, who love goals and nothing but goals. So I think um, I think a lot of like clips and maybe even full matches are still available to watch on YouTube of this. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. It's very interesting. Apparently, it kind of developed a bit in the states just for and you know and internationally because clubs wouldn't necessarily be able to field full like fifteen aside teams. So it's a way to play, and they wouldn't have the pitch sizes. So it's just a way to play on a smaller pitch with smaller numbers. Definitely interesting how they uh, they have a lot of rule modifications, which I think in a way made it almost feel like a cross between like hurling and basketball, some of the rule changes, which are my two favorite sports. So I was very into it. But uh, I think it'd be interesting to maybe go through some of these rule changes and think, you know, what would happen if you actually applied this to real hurling? Right. So let's get started. First rule. No limit to substitutions. Yeah, I think this one would actually be pretty good. I I wouldn't have a problem with this. I think you'd get more, uh, you could get younger players get build up their experience without kind of, you know, risking the game over sending them in for a bit, testing them out. You get may- maybe more out of older players who have certain skills but can't go full pace for 70 minutes. 
you know, I, I couldn't tell the exact impact. I'm sure there might be downsides too, but I definitely think this could be an interesting one to try out. I, 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 would, I don't mind at all the idea of no substitution limit. Yeah, I can't say I'm, I'm, I'm actually opposed to it in the slightest. I think, look, it just gives you, it just widens up the way you can play the game. It means you're probably less cautious in some respects. But like, I think, look, I don't see. I don't have a problem with it. You might have to reevaluate the substitution system so you don't have people doing it to like you know drag out the clock a bit or whatever. You'd have to make substitutions more efficient. Mm. But other than that, I think it's a solid idea. Second rule: only goals can be scored. I mean, it would be hilarious. It would be amazing. But I think totally ridiculous as well. Like it, it was. It was fine for a small pitch because you can't have points on small pitch because then you just have keepers like hitting points off every puck out. It was fun for an exhibition. The only qualm I would have is that it does make it feel a little bit like something like lacrosse, lacrosse or field mm. hockey. I, th- I think it's a case that this one can stay with the Fenway Classic and not tran- and not make its way over to Championship Hurling. And I know this is me saying it, but I suppose there's something is, there is something quite spectacular about um, a point being hit from an impossible angle, yeah. as evidenced in, we'll say the Galway, um, in the Galway All Ireland final last year, I think you'd just be robbed of kind of some fantastic moments like that. So That's I think true. for that reason, and I think, and I think you you still want you know the specialness of goals. You want them to be very dramatic events. That's it. You know, there there is something lovely about just a well placed goal out of nowhere that's you know tr- changes what had been a totally one sided match into something where both teams are in it again. So yeah, you don't want to take that away. Next rule. This as well as the uh, substitution limit and another one or two later on. This is one of the ones that remind me of basketball a bit because it's a bit like the three-point line. Goals worth five points from outside the defensive zone. Meh. This, it would totally wreck the balance of things, but I think it would be hilarious just when you get those weird goals. We saw a few of them last year. Um, I think even in the All-Ireland Final, we got one of those long balls that just kind of slightly overshoots and goes drops into the net unexpectedly. Those would be hilarious if they were suddenly worth more, but I think it would wreck the balance of the game a bit. And I'd say you just get a lot of very like sloppy attempts. When teams are down by loads, you just start seeing all these like stupid attempts at goals from way out and everything. It would just get a bit silly. At the same time, if you had some kind of lesser tournaments and you're trying to build up attendance for it, it could be a fun way, just like as an exhibition thing, to get a bit of attention on it. Yeah, and and this one, um, the next rule as well, kind of um, was one I was kind of like, yeah, works for the Fenway Classic, but not necessarily outside of that. You cannot have two hand passes in a row. Yeah, I think maybe it makes sense on a smaller pitch, but the usual scale, like, it's very hard to string together lots of hand passes. It's very impressive to see it done, and I'd see no reason to try and get rid of it. You know, maybe Alfellas would like it because it would encourage, you know, good old-fashioned long balls mm. and ground hurling and all that. But, uh, I, you know, it's hard enough to maintain possession in hurling without adding a rule like that. Potentially Gaelic, just with all the people complaining about it being too cautious and, you know, just trying to hold on to possession. Maybe it could be something for that, but eh, I, I, I think it just wouldn't make sense on a large pitch. There are too many ways to lose possession already. You don't need to force something like that. It would ruin. Um, it would ruin the tactics of Davy Fitzgerald uh, single-handedly. It certainly would. I, yeah, if it was implemented, I feel it would just be people who have a grudge against him, of which there are a decent number. You're ruining the game with these short passes. I did my analysis. It didn't do anything special, <laughs> at least in that one game that I did the analysis on. Next up, no kicking the ball intentionally. Again, this is one I think eh, no need for it. Like. It's really hard to kick a slitter accurately. And, you know, I think it's entertaining sometimes when you see those last-ditch attempts at 
at goals where they just last second just try and kick it just when they have no other just space. as a uh, like the hurt the hurley's been held up and they're like feck it i'm just gonna go for it and you, you love it when those succeed and equally it's hilarious uh as long as it's not your team doing mm. it when you get a player who just gets a bit cocky and decides they're going to kick it in instead of hitting it normally and then totally mess yeah. it up and like send it wide that is fun i'm going to make a side note on this say as well this could be interesting for gaelic football no kicking the ball just gaelic go- Gaelic ball punch. Uh, incidentally, name of my new uh, punk trad band, Gaelic ball punch. I'm taking that. We're, we're selling the CDs on the website. But yeah, it's it's. I think that's not really a very useful rule in regular hurling. Yeah, thirty second shot clock. Now this was something I was confused about. So again, I think this is one. I I don't think it matters in regular hurling because it's really hard to hold on to possession. I can see it on the smaller pitch, maybe you could just kind of like cling onto it a bit more. Yeah, it's not needed. But again, for the kind of, you know, thing of Gaelic football teams being overly cautious and possessive, I think this is definitely something that could speed it up and, you know, stop players just holding onto the mm. ball when the match is won for like the last five, ten minutes if they have a good lead. I think something like that would be great just to speed things up. So we're saying that most of these rules should really be adapted for Gaelic football. <laughs> Fix the problems of Gaelic football. <laughs> The, the only thing I'll say with this, though, it's like, it's mostly the Alphas complaining about that modern mm. style of play, you know, and, and their complaint is always, it's too much like basketball. The idea of solving a basketball problem with a basketball solution mm. might be too much for them. And the thing is, do you ever wonder that one day will be the Alphas given out? Oh, I can't wait for that. I mean, I, f- I feel like that's what retirement's all about, is just giving out mm. about things. You know, you got to enjoy that. I'm, I'm, I'm planning now. I'm going to I'm going to start my list now of all the things I want to complain about when I'm an owl fella. Mm. Really, the podcast is just me, you know, getting a little bit of a release valve on that now. <laughs> I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll give out. I'll, I'll go give out to things that were even like before my time. I'll be like, no, they should never have brought in helmets. You know, concussions are part of the game. It's part of the strategy is concussing your opponent. Yeah, and I'm still not sold on Hawkeye. Next rule. Tap and go style freezer allowed. So, you know, rather than having to wait and set it up and wait for the ref to blow his whistle to display his authority you just you just go and hit it i'm on board with just this go one. straight up that i would like this the amount of downtime in games really like and how how many get how many times that a game has to break just purely so free can be set yeah. up i love the idea that teams who are you know just trying to get that last minute goal could because a lot of time when they're in that situation you do get like that cynical free on them or whatever just to slow them down force them to go for a point instead of goal if they could just continue on hit the ball down before the opposing defense is set up properly mm. like i think that would be great i think it would be interesting i think no reason not to maybe give this a trial run in the main game yeah yeah i, I really like this idea next one up 65 replaced with corners uh-uh. you're not tis tisn't soccer you're playing now yeah no no i i again like get away out of that smaller pitch smaller pitch it's fine because i don't know if the pitch that they're playing on even was 65 uh, meters out but yeah I, I wouldn't be gone on this one. It might encourage more goals, but it wouldn't allow for points, so it would be a very predictable strategy. I think you'd just get a big cluster, and I don't know, I'd say it would just be kind of messy if you tried mm. it on a, with, with you know, 15 aside hurling. Next one, draws are resolved by pen, penalty shootout. Another one I'm not mad about here. I think penalty shootouts, they're just focusing too much on, like, one tiny element of the game that... It's not really relevant to how the team's performed. It, it just feels like if you're doing that, you may as well just flip a coin. I'd rather just see continuous extra time played, really, until one team pulls ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of fifty-fifty on it. I, I, I could go with this. I'm not. I wouldn't complain about it really, or you know, extra time either. Or 
I mean... If it was a choice of that or a whole other replay, I might prefer that, depending on the situation. But if it's a choice between just playing extra time and doing that, I would definitely rather extra time. It depends on who's playing, and yeah. which would benefit uh, Claire more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next rule, players can be sin-binned. Eh, I don't know. I, I, I find it hard to imagine what the repercussions would be, but I really think yellow and red cards are fine. Kind of does the job for you, really. It does the job, yeah. I, I don't know if I'd be pushed about it. I think I think you would just risk some players being a bit too willing to <laughs> to have some reckless fouls, knowing that they'll get to come on a bit later, mm. um, as long as it's not too reckless. So, uh, I don't know, maybe it would be fine. Maybe there's a situation for it, but no immediate need for it. So the last rule, fluorescent yellow slitters used instead of white ones. Now, I thought this was a tennis ball. I thought there were <laughs> tennis balls. And I was kind of thinking, well, sure, what's the, what's the difficulty in hitting a tennis ball? Like, They spent all the budget booking uh, Fenway Park. You know, they had no more money for slitters. Just had to get a few, like, stray tennis balls from the dog park. You know? That's kind of what I thought. I was like, well, I suppose <laughs> if it's going to be played anywhere else in the world, it'd probably be easier to get a hold of a tennis ball than it is a luminous slitter. <laughs> Overall, though, I think this isn't a bad idea, especially, like, on dreary days. I think in league games, especially, where you have kind of... You never get as much light when it's early in winter. Um, it's easier to track. It is. I, like... I think I'm okay now, but definitely when I started going to games, the first few games I went to, I did find it really hard to keep track of the slitter. And if it's, like, if it's a grey cloudy sky, which, I mean, we live in Ireland, it is most of the time, it's really easy to lose it in the mm. cloud. So I, I don't think this would be a bad idea. I don't think you'd have to use it all the time, but I think it should be an option on dreary days especially, just to make it a bit easier to see. Mm. Yeah, not bad. I think it's interesting seeing the innovation from Fenway Classic. I'd say definitely, if you haven't seen already, check out some clips of it. It's a fun novelty. I look forward to seeing it in the future. One final note, just want to point out, in the last instance of this, uh, Galway won it mm. this year. And then, you know, as we know, last year, Galway went on to win everything. Clare won Fenway Classic this year, so, uh, you know, more reason to Direct hope. correlation, my friend. I think so. Direct correlation. I think, I think uh, to, you know, I, I think that one data point is, is enough to extrapolate from. I think it's clear that Clare, this is going to be the first of their five in a row. I heard it here first. If I've learned anything from a whole year of last year doing this podcast, that you can just make wild wild jumps in logic actually have no logic at all and you know it's as relevant as any what anyone else says with statistical models you know that's what i that's mm-hmm. what i learned last year the more i've done the podcast the more it is has become clear to me that all sports pundits are just winging it and throwing things out and well aware that if they don't have an opinion make a crazy one because that'll get people listening or act like you know yeah i think act like you know really is kind of like you know you can act like you know and it's fine you're just being paid to give opinions it doesn't really matter at the end of the day exactly so if rt are listening and need two <laughs> young you know pundits to i don't know fill a slot between i don't know whatever time they they can think of that they'll pay us for we're there you have us i'm just saying rt you had the resources to make a marty morrissey dance game on your website yeah you have the resources to, you know, pay. I mean, we have our own microphones and everything. We have our Skype account and our freeware freeware audio mixing. It's a, it's very cheap. Really. Yeah, and you know, just we take turns editing it. 
I mean, like, yeah. you don't even have to pay... Very, produ- very cost-effective. Yeah, like, you don't even have to pay for professional production values. Honestly, if you just cover the TV license that I'm paying now, that'd be enough for me. Because, <sighs> like, I'm not using it. I only have a Chromecast. I don't. I, I feel like it's a bit wasted on me, so... We'll, we'll, we'll write an article on the website, while hipster millennials are killing TV. <laughs> um, we're also doing clickbait this year. We're going to be doing lots of oh, clickbait yeah. um, and misleading articles. How did Davy Fitz get you know this championship in five steps and then all five steps are just uh photos of kittens that's monster views right there break the internet views this is kind of the stuff where we're really looking to do this year and expand our audience i mean like aggressive growth really is kind of what we're looking for i think you know i'm let's see now currently on twitter uh we have got 29 followers wow i think if we could turn that into maybe, you know, 70, 75. Whoa, there. <laughs> we'll just be like one of those unicorn startups at that point. Yeah. You know, just massive growth. With the caveat that none of them can be sex bots. Well, I mean, let's not be too ambitious. <laughs> we have to make these things reachable. You know, I'm not ruling out coding a few of those myself just to, just to get the numbers up. Right. Final section of the podcast for this week let's go into the individual awards and the all-stars which you know it's it's old news by now but you know we weren't recording then so it exists uh, I, I i was i was going to write an article complaining about how there's been a trend over the decades where you're just getting fewer and fewer teams represented and then this year's all-stars did continue that trend <laughs> and i had a lot of that i had a whole article written out and then i just read over the article and i was just like this is really boring. I'm not going to post this. Like, I post a lot of boring articles, but it's just like, who the hell cares about the All-Stars going from, like, maybe representing five teams a year to three uh, or four? Like, I mean... Who cares? So That's exactly right. Yeah. Who does care? So let's skim over this quickly. Quick summary. Seven came from Galway, five from Waterford, two from Cork, one from Tip. Other teams with nominees included Wexford, Kilkenny, and Clare. Yes. List briefly. Goalkeeper Stephen O'Keefe, Waterford. Right quarterback, Paul Rigmanian, Galway. Fullback, Dahi Burke, Galway. Left centre-back, Noel Connors, Waterford. Right wing-back, Corrig Maher, Tipperary. Centre-back, Yorod McInerney, Galway. Left wing-back, Mark Coleman, Cork. Midfielder, Jamie Barron, Waterford. Midfielder, David Burke, Galway. Right wing-forward, Kevin Moore and Waterford. Centre-forward, Joe Canning, Galway. Left wing-forward, Michael Walsh, Waterford. Right corner-forward, Connor Reel, Galway. Full-forward, Connor Cooney, Galway. Left centre-forward, Patrick Corgan, Cork. Terms and conditions apply. And um, those are the awards. And really, I think there was a lot of names. And they all won awards, sure so, I mean... I suppose just to go quickly through some of the inclusions. notable inclusions and the notable snubs. Ones that I thought were interesting. Mark Coleman. It was only his second year playing. It was only his first year, like, actually really properly playing. He made, like, a little bit of appearance at the end of 2016, yeah. but he was phenomenal for Cork. I think every possession went through him, it felt like, in, in a lot of their matches. Um, I think a linchpin, really, in terms of Cork's uh, yeah. performance. He was absolutely one of the key finds for them in the last year trying out you know their young squad and everything uh he was superb another notable inclusion brick walsh he becomes one of very few players to win an all-star as a forward as a midfielder and as a back so uh like nice bit of trivia there very impressive career great year from overall and uh, i think he's announced that he's going to continue on for this year again now so wow He's a decent spot. He's a decent spot yeah. overall. I think Waterford, they've been, they've been just slowly crawling their way up the rankings for the last few years. It'd be nice if they could finally just get that championship. So, if uh, they could finally win. Yeah, but uh, if they did, you know, 
it'd be good for him to be on that team just after all he's contributed. Then we also have Porig Maher for Tipperary. Tipperary, spotty year, but he was one of the players that really did well for them. And uh, this was his fifth, which puts him one behind the Tipperary ro- record, mm. which is held by Nicky English and Owen Kelly. So, um, like, maybe not the best year for Tip, but definitely another strong year in what's been a really impressive career for him as a Certainly whole. Certainly so, yeah. Not exactly a fantastic year for him last year, but... To come away with, you know, losing a semi-final by a point after having a not great year... It says a lot about the team overall. Doesn't age, yeah. So then getting into some of the notable snubs. Ooh. My first one here, Anthony Nash. Another, like, key player for Cork this year and their improvement. One of the few, like, veterans to really hang on and do a lot for them. Thought it was a bit surprising for him to go out, but, like, they really don't have that many players outside of the two All-Ireland finalists. Yeah. As mentioned, so I can see, you know, and Stephen O'Keefe was good for Waterford and everything, but... I don't know. I think just in terms of impact for the team, Anthony Nash maybe was more impactful. You know, obviously Waterford got further in competition, but I think Anthony Nash did do more for his team yeah. um, as an individual. I think as a goalkeeper, you notice, I think he's definitely one of the ones that kind of stands out head and shoulders yeah. above. Well, aside from Darren, um, Darren Gleeson, but like that was for other reasons. <laughs> I think as well, just hurling goalkeeping, it's so much of it is just puck out placement far more so than mm. it is shot stopping. And he's one who is just unbelievable at that. Mm. I mean, the Munster final, Claire basically had an entirely new controversial game plan, play totally different to normally just to try and compensate for him. And when you're doing that much, like when 15 players have to play differently for one player on the other team, that's someone who's important. Yeah. Austin Gleeson. This was a big name to miss out. I don't know if I'd argue with it because he did have an up and down year though. But definitely, I'd say one of the biggest names to miss out this year. He wasn't quite himself this year, I felt. I think he was just kind of... He had some flashes of brilliance. If he made a highlight reel of the year, you'd think, how would he miss out? Yeah, but then... You know, so he had some brilliant moments, but overall, and especially in the final, which I think is what people remembered when they were putting together the... when they were voting on this, just a bit up and down. Yeah, just never really seemed to really make himself known. Had a very quiet final, and it was just a case of... Yeah, I can understand. I can understand why. TJ Reid for Kilkenny. A very bad year for Kilkenny. Yeah. First year in a long time that they didn't even make the quarterfinals. But having said that, like, All-Stars, they are meant to be more individual rewards, despite the fact that they're totally weighted towards the teams that reach the final. Mm. They are meant to be individual rewards. And while so many other players were totally off the boil this year, he was absolutely nailing it. He was getting all the frees. He was getting a huge proportion of their points. I'm sure he was keeping them in most games. He was one of the few bright spots in, I think, a very forgettable year for mm. them. And I think even the fact that he was nominated despite them only reaching the second round yeah. says a lot about his contribution. Also notable snubs... Just any of the ones from Wexford, I think. Because mm. you had four players nominated. You had Leach in, Conor McDonald, Dermot O'Keefe, and Matthew O'Hanlon. And none of them won. Yeah. And I think, I know they only did reach the quarterfinal, but I just feel the amount of improvement that they made in the year just warranted some kind of recognition for one of them, at yeah. least. I thought that was very surprising that you didn't have a single one. You know, politics. That's it. And I think finally, Shane O'Donnell. And this is something I agree with. I thought, I thought actually, for whatever you could say about Clare last year, and they were less than fantastic in a lot of spots. They just felt to be ticking over. They weren't yeah. improving or disimproving. Though I do think that Shane O'Donnell played fantastically that year. I think he put he in some really impressive performances. I think it's, okay. it's a similar thing to maybe Wexford or maybe that TJ Reid kind of position for Kilkenny. It's like, well you've played extremely well but you're in a team that's not doing fantastically 
on the whole yeah and i don't know i suppose in the eyes of an all-star all-star uh selectors it's kind of hard to you don't stand out as much it's kind of harder to kind of put you forward realistically it would have been hard to justify but i think they were right to give him the nomination mm. just to recognize what he did and you know we have to support him as well just for we have to maintain the banner bias on this podcast yeah. at all times so i have to give a shout out to him Finally, then, we have the kind of other remaining individual individual rewards, uh, Hurler of the Year and Young Hurler of the Year. So Hurler of the Year went to Joe Canning. I have no arguments on this whatsoever. If you interpret it it as a Lifetime Achievement Award, if you interpret it as what he did in that year, Hmm. either way, you know, Joe Canning, for years and years, he was the best player never to win in All-Ireland. He finally got them over, and it wasn't just him being, like, token kind of player to inspire them or remind them. Like, he contributed, he got a huge proportion of their points. He was no longer, you know, they were no longer dependent on him, which was great, but when they needed him, he was still there, and you only have to look at how they won their semi-final against Tipperary for perfect example of how good he can be yeah he was he was superb and i'm delighted for him that he finally got that all ireland and hurl in the year i think is just cherry on top really for him and for galway yeah joe canning bit of a goal i think goal i think we can both agree <laughs> on that um no in serious in all seriousness yeah no i think well deserved god you couldn't say any there's no way you could say any different really what a credit to the Galway team and then finally young hurl of the year Connor Whelan this one I think great year for him and everything and certainly deserving mm. but the only thing I'll say again just in the side of snubs you know and and you know don't assume this is because I'm currently you know in Cork and uh, there are Cork people all around me and you know I, I'm definitely not a hostage in Cork or anything and you know trapped and you know saying this under duress but uh, Mark Coleman again yeah uh, stand standout young player for me and he was nominated I I think I would have put him ahead of Connor Whelan personally mm. but certainly not to take from Connor Whelan another great year for him too mm. yeah no I'd certainly agree I'd also ask like that you stop sending me coded messages like duress and trapped and stressed and in danger like that just it's putting me off to be honest i'm getting stressed you know just gotta deal with the deal with court people and their ways you just gotta agree with them on everything okay even when you don't agree with them they're right um even even when you really really don't agree with them it's court by having said all that though you know connor whelan good good young hurler good man good boy just a just a side note could you put like young hurler boy of the year is that just renaming, or is that a separate uh, category that you want to include? Just young hurler boy. No, I think I think renaming young hurler boy of the year. Okay. So you've hurler of the year, you know, and it's like senior and like yeah, and then there's young hurler boy of the year, it's like you know junior junior competition. If if Cork if Cork win, is it or you know young hurler boy? Oh or, no, of course, like young hurler just, boy. Yeah. yeah, that's just that's just my two cents. You know, that's my expert opinion, my analysis. I mean, I think it's something we could stick on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, 2018 will be our year of selling out. Yeah, I mean, like, we're I can feel we're it. really going to have to monetize this thing. We're going to be looking for angel investors. We can offer no prospects of a return, but we're really positive about this year. Stand by but the fact that I refuse to put advertising on the website to clutter it up. So, uh, you know, I can't promise we'll make any money back. Yeah. But we're, we're principled know, you'll, men. You know that you're, you're spreading the word of awfully GA politics. Yeah. And, I mean, that's... That's its own reward. We're principled, woke men. We're we're all on Harvey Weinstein. Not a, we wouldn't have him as a fan of the podcast. That's no, ex, that's but... expanding the that's expanding the base there. Not a fan of Harvey Weinstein on this podcast. In fact, you know, just uh, out of principle to the whole like 
filmmaking thing. I'm I'm going to cut this short so so that we'll have a slightly smaller editing process mm. to represent people in in film editing that you know are are bad, not deserving things. Yeah, and because I like this this is running on a bit. The now. only people we discriminate against are discriminatory people. Word. I'm 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 going to call it now. Side A is side done. A. Check out side side B next week, where we look forward to what's going to happen next. It's season. like a retro record thing. I was thinking tape. It's like a lovely mixtape. Oh, okay, yes, mixtape uh, works. But, but instead of instead of love songs that you know remind you mm. of the person who gave it to you, it's making fun of awfully hurling. Mm. Oh, there's going to be so much of it. It's there's a whole year. Mm. We'll spread it out. We'll spread it whole out. Whole year. Yeah. Can't wait. Okay. Can't wait. And that is the end of the podcast, dear friends. Or the podcast episode, I should say. Not the end of the podcast. I'm Marty, and I like to party.